Hello and welcome to the Indie by Design podcast, the show about great games and their creators. Indie by Design is unfunded, but if you'd like, you can support us with a few dollars a month by going to patreon.com forward slash Indie by Design. Any support that you can give us is greatly appreciated and it helps us enormously in keeping a show going, expanding it and improving it. Anyway, this is episode 16. It's hosted by me, John Robertson, and today we're talking to Felix Borhatch, co-founder of Broken Rules, the studio behind Old Man's Journey, which is unquestionably one of 2017's most mesmerizing and interesting games. It's a game that asks us to look within ourselves in order to interpret its events and themes, and we'll be talking about that and more with Felix in this episode. As ever, you can follow Indie by Design to stay up to date with all of our podcasts, our books, our videos via Twitter, Facebook and YouTube. Just search Indie by Design on those platforms and you'll find us. And you can visit our website at IndieByDesign.net and everything is on there for you too. If you'd like to leave us a review on iTunes or your preferred podcasting platform, then that would also be fantastic. That really helps us get the show out to more people. Games typically ask us to inject ourselves into them, whether that's by simply interacting with a button in order to open a door that allows us to progress to the next area, or it might be selecting dialogue options that give us seemingly, sometimes actual, subjective control over the plot. Fewer games, however, ask us to both inject ourselves into them and allow ourselves to be injected by them. Old Man's Journey is one of those games that demands that kind of open relationship between player and game. If you're not prepared to try and define a personal interpretation of the happenings on screen, then you're really not going to get the full experience from it. Felix Bohatch elaborates on this idea throughout this episode of the Indie by Design podcast, but first, let's hear in his words what Old Man's Journey actually is. Yeah, so Old Man's Journey started when we got asked by a bigger publisher to pitch them a mobile premium game. So... We, our first game is called And Yet It Moves, the first game of Broken, Broken Rules, and we ported that to iOS uh, with the help of a Japanese publisher called DNA. Um, and they asked us, after we finished uh, Yet It Moves, which was basically a contract work for us, they asked us if we can pitch them a premium iOS game, an original, a new premium iOS game, basically. And so we started brainstorming about things we would like to do uh, on a mobile, on a touch device. Um, and as it usually is, like there were some interesting ideas in, in a brainstorming session, but it's, we usually, I think it's really hard to find like the breakthrough idea doing a traditional brainstorming session. I think for me, it's something that gets like the juices flowing and that gets idea, it gets ideas going in your head. And then it takes some time until the real idea comes around basically so we've been talking about having layers where you or having some kind of 2d space that's actually 3d and you can switch into the depths into the into the layers of the things um, and this that's an idea that kept going around in my head and then at some point I it must be a few, might, might have been a few weeks afterwards, I'm not really sure actually, but I saw a, a photograph of, at a friend's place, I saw a photograph of rolling hills, like fading into the distance, kind of like a kitschy standard photograph, like you see the silhouettes of mountains and rolling hills and they're fading into the distance, right? Um, and when I saw it, I, I suddenly had the idea that it would be really nice to touch these hills shape these silhouettes um, and have a character walk on these silhouettes of mountains. And um, so the core idea of Old Man's Journey basically, right? When, when there's an intersection of these hills, the, this character can walk into the distance. Um, and this photograph had also had a very strong vibe of wanderlust. Is that an English? It's an English word, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, and I, that's, that's at least that's what captivated me about this photograph. It's like that it really gives the feeling that you want to travel, you want to go somewhere, you want to be somewhere else, you want to be far in, in the distance of this photo. Um, so I, I talked to Clemens about this core idea because I really 
wanted to try it out. Like I personally, I really wanted to try out how it feels to to move these hills on a touch device. And um, um, so from a gameplay idea, I felt it was very interesting. But when talking with Clemens, we also realized that it's something that, while it's, it seems nice and we had some puzzle ideas in mind that could work, we wa- we felt that it needs another layer of, of um, interest, which also comes from personally from our creative standpoint. We also really wanted to work on something that we personally can connect to, something that we feel passionate about, and we didn't just want to make a puzzle game, basically. So we wanted it to be more, um, I don't know, have some kind of personal connection to our everyday life and to have some kind of meaning in there that we can connect to. So we had this character and we knew that the character needs to be somewhere because that's kind of like the emotion of Wanderlust that we wanted to transport through the game as well. Um, So the big question was, why does the character need to be somewhere? And so Clemens and me sat down a couple of times and talked about possibilities and um, because we wanted it to be a personal or something that we can personally connect to, the topic of family came up pretty quickly. Um, uh, like I have three kids and Clemens has one kid and like Broken Rules in total. Since 2009, Broken Rules has made four games and eight children, I think. So <laughs> um, the topic of like balancing family life and and um, your own individual passion or your own individual fulfillment it was big. Like for all of us, so there's five co-founders of Broken Rules, and all of us we want to we have this company because we want to create our own games, and that's our passion. That's what we want to do with our life, basically. But um, balancing that. Um, so in a sense, you could also say that the company and our games are kind of like our own our kids in some way, like they're our babies as well. So balancing these, uh, the strive for making our own games and having to having a, to support a family um, and be there for a family was just a big topic for everyone of of us, um, and that's why Clemens and I very soon um, decided to focus on the topic of family and to have this character want to be somewhere because of family. And we basically, the old man has the same... Is it okay if I spoil something here or is it problematic if I start spoiling Um, the story? I think it's okay, and I think even now we've we've given people like five or ten seconds, so they can turn it off now and, uh, or <laughs> skip true. ahead. So I think that's it's true. Okay. Yeah, so basically, this, the heart at the heart of the story of of the life story of Old Man's Journey is his inability to um, combine his individual passion and family life. Like, uh, and that's the idea that we had from the start: is that he basically does not manage to. To bring these two together, and thus it's never, and that's why he breaks up with his family is because he wants to f- fulfill his creative passion, which which is sailing, in in is in the old man's uh, case, um, and so basically that's how the where the story comes from, um, where the character comes from, and um, um, so these were the two pillars basically that started Old Man's Journey. It was the gameplay idea, the feeling of wanderlust, um, and then the the topic of balancing your individual personal fulfillment, your personal passion and family life. Um, and um, with these two in mind, um, and then wanting it to bring it to a mobile platform, which was the third constraint, which also fit us very well, because it, for us it meant that we can made a, make a short, very focused experience and a, and a game that's more about the experience than about the challenging gameplay or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So that's basically what we took from 
very much from uh, Monument Valley, especially from there's a, a GDC talk by Ken Wong about the design process of Mo Monument Valley and where he clearly stated that from the start they wanted to do a 90-minute experience that is more about the experience than the game. And that's what we also used as a third constraint for Old Miss Journeys. It will be about 90 minutes length. It will be more about the experience. It's not about challenging puzzly games. Um, and um, yeah, and that's something we had quite early on uh, as, uh, as, as in the design process and that helped us um, make all further design decisions basically yeah so would you would you go so far as to say that um, your you know you said that your kind of um, the conflict in in the old man between family and pursuing pursuing what he loves um, um, kind of uh, is a, is a mirror in a way of of some of the things that you're going through. But would you would you go so far as to say that there's an autobiographical element to it that you're kind of using the creative process of making this game as some means of trying to work out your own thoughts on how your own lives now might work given that you've got kids and you continue wanting to make this game was there a kind of this was almost like a cathartic experience to try to explore how how that might evolve as as time goes on I hope it won't evolve like uh, with the old man <laughs> for me personally. Well, that was going to be my next question. Like, yeah. Do you believe it's going to fail? <laughs> no, um, actually, uh, it definitely has. So there's definitely a personal link to our, like, to my and Clem's um, life. And there's, uh, I wouldn't call it autobiographical, though. I think it's really about. A topic that was important to us and that we thought about a lot and that we tried to manage as well as possible and, uh, and to make a game about it um, and of course there there is really um, a link to it because I also felt very early on especially once we had the funding for the game that almost journey has has a big potential and um, it's also something I talked to with my wife and my family as well, is that this game is very important and I will put more time and more energy into it than the past years. And um, I think it will be worth it. And um, they were also lucky, enough, uh, fortunately for me, they were, especially my wife was very helpful and supportive in that. And um, uh, during the development of, Old Miss Journey, my third child was born, and um, I definitely noticed that I spent less time with her than I did with my older ones. But it, it was a con I think the big, the big why it won't, why I don't want to call it autobiographical is that I'm trying to actually combine them in a way that works for me and for the family as well. And it was like a conscious decision. Um, and it was also a decision that was limited because I knew at some point Old Man's Journey will be finished, which is now, which is why I'm spending more time with family now um, uh, than before. Um, but it was definitely a time where I spent a lot of energy and resources, worked more hours than before. And in that, there is a bit of a link to the old man, I guess. Mm. Yeah. And yeah, I mean... <laughs> One of the things that's um, that kind of strikes you, or it struck me anyway, when I was playing it, is that um, it feels um, it feels like you're kind of playing what is essentially a visual um, poem, I suppose. Um, kind of, kind of that's how it comes across, and the <coughs> um, part of the reason for that is that the or I think for me part of the reason for that is that um, we're quite limited in terms of the interactions in that there aren't many of them and that creates a space for your mind to kind of 
take over and that's where the challenge happens it's that your mind is the thing that's being challenged to interpret what you're seeing just just like as if you read a poem that's exactly what's happening there most of the time um so i suppose the question is uh, how much thought did you put into or how much interact iteration or how much did it change in terms of the interactions and what you can interactive and what you can't interactive. I know you mentioned the photo and you wanted to, you know, you envisioned um, being able to move the layers up and down. Um, did it always start from, so when you had that first idea, is that exactly how that idea then ended up in the game or did you go through like different tests or different designs before you reached where you are now? I I really like the idea of calling it a, a, a visual like an interactive poem that's really that's really nice i think it's also very fitting um uh so um but more specifically the core the core gameplay of shaping hills and switching layers didn't change much that was in the earliest prototype that we pitched to investors and to um, a public grant that, that we pitched to get money. Um, and that is like the core and that stayed very much the same actually um, from the start on. Um, but what did what we did iterate on is like the additional elements um, gameplay elements like the sheep or the train and um, uh, so basically, we knew that the that the core gameplay is interesting, but we also knew that it is limited, and that we will need more elements to keep it alive. And the first things, ideas that we had were also to have like these mechanical things, like the bridge that where you have to rotate a crank to extend a bridge. And I originally thought we will would have way more of these kind of mechanical things in there. Um, but we started, <clears throat> then we started prototyping a lot of additional elements and there were some s things that we threw out, um, actually there were quite a lot, um, because we wanted it to, because, yeah, because also we were limited by time and by budget and, um, we wanted to focus it more on, on the experience side. So, um, I would say that. Basically, the way our the way we worked is that we had a gameplay prototype and an, and very strict constraints on the design side um, to and we pitched that to uh, to get the funding like in a very strict sense of what the audience will be and and stuff like that and then we had a playable prototype there just to prove that it's interesting to do these uh, simple things. Um, and then after that, we started experimenting on gameplay because we felt like this is the thing that we need to, um, like that was the biggest uncertainty. Can we find enough gameplay content basically to uh, transport, to, to last for 90 minutes? Um, and from there, we had a lot of, that actually took quite, a, quite some time because we had ideas and then we built them and then we tested them and we threw out a way stuff that didn't really work. Um, and we tested all those in a very, in ugly prototypes, basically. Those were grayscale hills. Um, so they were nice to play because they were, were good readable, but it, they didn't have any of the world, the setting and or the story or something like that. And in parallel, we developed um, the worlds, I would say, like the, or let's say the landscapes and the art style for it. So we, we build a vertical slice where we, ha where we had two levels in there, which is the hotel level, the village with the hotel, and the other level is the one with the waterfalls and uh, the boat and the, the lighthouse, which is level four now. And we use those to iterate the visual style, the art style, but also to iterate the interactivity beside the core, um, like the whimsic, the world is very whimsical. We also always wanted it to be very playful, 
at least in the first levels uh, and in the last levels we wanted to be playful so we experimented what can we add there that is nice for people to interact with how should the trees move and stuff like that um, and we pin once we had that down um, then we then we knew how to also build on the other levels but because one thing that we also had very much from the start um, or that we uh, developed during the, the concept phase is that we had an emotional progression, like basically a curve that showed what we want players to feel while playing Old Man's Journey or, or what kind of emotions, um, kind of like the emotional state of the player. It's, it's actually the emotional state of the old man because it's, it's linked to to reliving his life um, so um, but that's but because the way we built the game is that the old man's life story is basically what we want is that the player feels empathy for uh, what the old man goes through so so the the emotions of the player and the emotions of the character are linked and yeah. this emotional progression curve was super helpful during all design phases because it basically is a tool that we can use that we used for all aspects of the game so we knew that we want the start to be uplifting and kind of happy and and um, all the world is playful and stuff like that and then later on when he starts to regret his memories or he regret his actions not only does it start raining, which is kind of the obvious part, but it's also something that works very well. But um, the challenges get more difficult or he starts crushing things because that these are the moments where he, where he also destroys uh, paths in his own life. And um, he all this, this interactivity gets less and less because um, it's not as playful anymore because it's harder memories that he remembers. Mm -hmm. So and, and and obviously the audio changes. So all these aspects are linked through this emotional progression curve that um, we basically had as soon as we had the story of the life story of the old man, um, and we could use that these things to iterate not only on the core gameplay, but on all things to align them along this emotional progression curve. Yeah, yeah. the, the idea of um, the emotional curve is, um, is interesting and it's, it's something that... Um, it it actually about. comes from um, that game company. So that's where I, I picked that up. I think they had something like that for Flower probably they have it for all games but I've, I've seen it in some uh, presentation of flower I think yeah 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 and that, and that makes sense um, <clears throat> so with with that emotional um, <clears throat> that emotional um, curve in mind were you were you then building the game um, <clears throat> for a certain for a certain kind of player, a player um, with the ability to kind of empathise with with that kind of emotional journey, or, or a player to be able to kind of see some um, similarity in themselves with that, or or were you designing it uh, more from an internal place rather than? rather than kind of trying to second guess what kind of player were you where you were aiming at well i would say both actually because uh in, in a way i definitely designed it for me or we designed it for us in a sense but that's also kind of the target audience that we aimed for and i call them i used what I, st I still call them the grown-up gamers i don't know if that's like a good term but basically <laughs> yeah. um we made it for people who um, don't have as much time to play games anymore, but they still, maybe they used to play a lot of games in the earlier days, or um, and nowadays they've grown up, they have a job to take care of, they don't have as much free time anymore, maybe they have family of their own. Um, and on top of that, like they don't have as much time, so they want a focused, a focused um, 
experience, but they also want to have an experience that is connected to their life or their their topics, maybe. And that's I definitely think um, so. In in that sense, the audience was kind of like me, but I think there's a lot of people out there that um, are interested in these kind of experiences. Um, and we've actually also, I think, one point where this showed very strongly. So in a sense, you could say it's like 25 and up or something like that, right? Um, female and male um, and so on and so on. Um, but one thing where this, where this showed during development is that we also, so we developed a story. Well, Clemens and I talked about what we want the character, why we want the character to be, to have this wanderlust and to travel and that it's about family and so on but then we took these ideas to a company called Salon Alpine who's um, also from Vienna and one of them is actually a subrenter in our office and we co-developed the story from this on and the interesting part is that we knew that we want the memories to be um, like images like because basically those are images frozen in time, like they're moving, it's like a movie, but it's a, a moment frozen in time. So we knew we only have like 14 pictures to tell the life story, and um, uh, that which is a challenge, uh, and which also was, which definitely was a challenge. And together with um, Lip Comarella from Salon Alpine, we managed to. Um, this still are uh, the story that Clemens and I had to a story that can be told um, through these images. And so that people understand it, we, Lip was always pushing to use some kind of stereotypes. Um, like, for example, the sailor, um, the, the sailor who's, who's being called by the sea is just a stereotype that works very well. So we don't need to start complicated explanation of why the old man needs to go, what his individual passion is. So things like this definitely are stuff that came in from, from Lip's side. And then um, basically Lip made these sketches, 14 sketches, like of the memories. And we tested these sketches. Like we've, we've gone, gone to a public place and talked to people um, on the street, showed them all these 14 sketches. And saw and checked if they understand the story, but also to see how they emotionally respond to that story. How do they feel about the character and stuff like that? And the interesting part was that, for example, younger younger people tended to just say, "Oh, he's an asshole," and he just left his family, and he's just an asshole. Like, why should I care for him? Basically, and the older um, the people where we showed it to them, or in, for example, if people had children, by, uh, already had children themselves, the more they could sympathize with the old man, the more they could feel for the um, the problems or or the the challenges that he faced, and the more they could understand them. And I think that's also why, if you like, show old man's journey to a teenager or like a twenty something, they would probably can't connect in the same way than someone who already had his own difficult choices or challenges in life. We're now halfway through our chat with Felix, so we really hope that you're enjoying what you've heard so far. We'd just like to take a moment to introduce you to Independent by Design, Art and Stories of Indie Game Creation which is a perfect book for those wanting to delve deeper into games, into game design and into game creators. And it's written and produced by us here at Indie by Design. It tells the inside story of some of the world's best game studios and how their games came to be. It's informed by tens of hours of original interviews and it's loaded with pages of original artwork, concept documents and design documents. You can go to IndieByDesign.net to get your copy today. We'd also like to remind you of our Patreon, which is patreon.com forward slash Indie by Design. You can support us there, and that really does genuinely help keep the show going. We begin the second half of the show with Felix's thoughts on video games as a vehicle for telling stories that allow for personal readings and interpretations of the author's vision. I, I definitely like is that people 
can add their personal story to it, or maybe or the, the, their personal story in um, uh, decides, or the personal story is an input to the story, and the way they interpre interpret the old man's journey basically depends on how their own life went, I guess. I definitely liked it, but I liked it for, I think that's something that, that the medium video games can do very much like and or at least the way we tell the story although it's a very linear story but we try to keep it ambiguous right on many levels and um, we don't use any text we only have these 14 pictures which means there there are a lot of gaps in between that can be filled by the player's mind and I think that's a strength that we that the medium video games have is that yeah. because there is because the players take part of it, they're more uh, inclined to actually also inject their own personal story and in interpretations and stuff, as long as you give them the space to do so. And that's definitely something we try to have in Old Man's Journey. Um, there are points where we also were in doubt if maybe we don't have enough like I was always a bit afraid that the old man will be disliked for the way he acts because he is in I mean he does some stupid things and I, I'd also say um, in some ways or another he definitely is an, a bit of an asshole sometimes um, but and I was always afraid that people will react too strongly about that, but I think, and once that we, that I also um, experienced by watching people play it, once also all of these things kind of came more together, is that because players play for the old man at the beginning, like they don't know much about the old man, but they want to help him because that's what the game tells them to do, right? Help the old man, travel with the old man. So there's already a sympathy for this character. Um, basically, they like him just because it, he's the char main character of the game, and that's what they're, what we all as game players are used to from games. Is that this one is the one we on on whose side we are on, right? And I think because of that, people are more inclined to sympathize with him later on, even though he makes some stupid or hard decisions and some stupid ones. And um, so there's like a, a bias towards the old man because he's actually the main character of the game. And that's something that showed very much in, and basically uh, um, took, took away my fear that people will just say he's an asshole because once they start playing for him, they like him more already and he can do some stupid stuff and they will still like him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or well, at least they will start like thinking about why he yeah. did that yeah yeah it's um yeah i think um that that part of it makes him seem more more real like if your friend or partner or whatever in <clears throat> in real life does something that you don't like you yeah as you say you'll try to work out why and what's going on you won't just instantly reject them and say that's it i'm not spending any more time with you yeah um and that happens because they're playing with him or for him in yeah. the game. They have already a bond with the old man. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. And when you when you when you were mentioning there about um, that video games are good at um, <clears throat> this form of storytelling because you you're kind of inputting yourself into the performance, as it were. Um, was was there any part of the design um, sort of approach that you took and any, any part of the end goal that you wanted to achieve that was about maybe proving or demonstrating just how capable video games are at presenting this kind of um, environment for players to be able to put themselves into it into it in that way where you know, was there was it you was there any part of you that was saying, look, this is this is what video games are capable of, and we're going to be one of the one of the pillars that proves that proves that. Hmm. I think that I see it more as like standing on the shoulders of others. Actually, like um, I think what we've uh, like what we've done 
of what we've taken with Old Man's Journey is that it's like experiences like Monument Valley or that 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 game company games or even Firewatch or uh, Gone Home. Like these are these these experiences that are more about the emotional side and more about what the players feel and experience while playing than about the skills and the twitchy gameplay. Um, so I feel like I didn't have to prove anything anymore. Um, of course, I wanted to... I mean, I always kind of want to be at some front frontier of video game development in some way, so I do like to try out um, the, and push the medium a bit in, in, in some way, but I don't feel like that it, this was all fully super innovative. It was more taking um, stuff from the, that other great developers have done in the last couple of years and yeah. adding a personal meaning to it and, and what uh, I want players to feel and experience. Um, and I think that's also what I usually, like most, in most games I try to have one or maybe two innovative parts that try something new or, or not new, but try to push something a bit more in a certain direction. And this time it definitely was more on the emotional um, side. I don't know if that will be in the next game again, but for almost journey, yes, a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that that's something I was going to ask in relation to um the other games actually either either future ones or and, and the past ones that you've done as well. Uh, I mean there's a lot of different there's a lot of different things going on across the different games that you've done and, and I was wondering if you if you you know, if you were making a point about um <clears throat> trying to explicitly test yourselves on on different styles of game each time or to kind of um yeah, challenge yourselves or use use different approach it, use different styles of game to kind of test your own skills and see what you're you're capable of. Like is um are you explicitly aware of that going on in the studio that you that you do specifically take into account what you've done before and then try to do something different in in, in um next games? So yeah, um I I think that um, actually it's something that we've been top, uh, discussing a lot lately again, but already a few years ago. Is like does Broken Rules have a theme or like something that's like a, something that all our games have that say Broken Rules, um, and we don't like um, basically we make the games that we're currently interested in. I guess that's what we do. And we usually do focused experiences, um, like smaller experiences, definitely. Um, um, all of them have been 2D, but that's not a given. I mean, we might uh, make a 3D game, although I, very, I, I like 2D, definitely. Um, and I think what also is is like there's one aspect that we are trying to focus on and that we're trying to push but um and then we want high quality games obviously i think that's also something but all of these are not something where a customer says oh this is a broken rules game and i don't yeah. think this will change in the future i'm pretty sure our, our next game might be very different um, at least there are some prototypes out there that are definitely different than old man's journey um, and maybe someday we're back again at a more emotional thing. Um, still, I do like to... I always think of what the players feel when they play. So that's definitely something I focus on. And so in one kind of or another, um, I want our games to be more than just a quick uh escapism basically like i want them to linger on in the player's mind and um even after they start after they uh, stop playing and stuff like that and it's something that secrets of raticon definitely definitely had um chasing aurora maybe not as much and and yet it moves also not as much but even i think and yet it moves is 
like back in 2009, we didn't have any story or anything, but I think it has a certain feel, at least what I get, what we, we did get feedback from people that said it had, that it has this eerie kind of surreal feeling that's very interesting and unique. Um, and I think that's also already in some way a way of, of trying to produce something more unique, something that's more, that touches players on a, on a deeper level than just pure gameplay. Yeah, it's interesting when you say that about um, the idea of a game um, staying with you. Just thinking about, you know, you showed, uh, you, you watched teenagers play the game and they didn't really like it or they didn't really like the character at least. Um be interesting if you could kind of revisit those same people like 10 years later and yeah. show them again and see if they had like a different um, <laughs> that would be great vision yeah. see I um, told you life is not as easy <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, um, but that won't be possible I guess <laughs> it'd be quite difficult yeah um, I mean yeah so I think it it's there is no real line um, of what a broken rules game is or real topic or theme but um, uh, we will definitely try to always make very uh, high quality games that um, that uh, touch players in some way or yeah. another yeah um, this is a this is um, a bit of a different question I suppose but how did um, how did you all come to work together um, and also in the context of that how how did um, did did Vienna or Austria play a role in that because the the Austrian game scene isn't necessarily outside of Austria one of the more kind of recognized um, ones as you know being a place where a huge amount of um, games are being made so um, yeah how did you come together and um is there is there a big independent scene in in austria do you meet up with a lot of other um creators well it's definitely a small scene in vienna um for sure um and it used to be way smaller when we started in 2009 i don't think there was uh or at least we didn't know of any independent developers back then um um so Right now, I think the Viennese scene is growing. It's getting more interesting. We've we've had a few people that really work on establishing a scene, helping the scene. Um, so there's a, a, um, a guy. Well, it's like it's a thing called Subotron, and they have like lectures and invite people all from Europe, um, other developers, and they hold lectures in Vienna, and, and that that has been around for for at least seven years or something. It's like a cultural hub f for Vienna and that, and that for games in Vienna, and that helped a lot. Uh, it also helped us a lot. Um, on establishing more connections and doing some networking because like we do go to bigger conferences but it's something else if you have only one uh like if you have if if I meet Dan Pinchback um in at GDC like I don't have a good chance to talk to him but if he's coming to Vienna and Supertron it's easy easier for me to hook up and talk to him for example um from Chinese room games um so uh, that's definitely something that helped and then we have like regular meetups once a month the Vienna Game Dev meetup which is kind of a new thing only the last two years I think but it's also been very helpful in getting the scene together and growing it um, so it's starting to get bigger and, um, and better and there's more smaller devs that do their own thing um, the one thing that Vienna is still missing is like the big studio like we don't have any triple a studio in vienna or in austria like we have uh, studios that are bigger like 50 60 employees um, who also do interesting contract work for triple a industries but they don't develop their own triple a title and i think that's because of that um, there is talent missing in vienna or there is experts missing in Vienna like um, 
uh, we just don't have the possibility to stay in Vienna and work for five years on a AAA game and then take that experience and create your own indie studio. So, and I think that's something that's missing a bit, um, but well, that's I guess how it is. And um, uh, the way Broken Rules started is uh, it actually we we met at v University of Technology in Vienna, Vienna University of Technology, um, where we studied uh, computer science and we did a, a prototype. As a bachelor thesis, we did the prototype for Indie Edit Moves, um, and then we submitted it to the Independent Games Festival in 2007, which is like 10 years ago. Um, and um, it got picked up, uh, and we showed Indie Edit Moves at uh, GDC in 2007, and that was the moment for us where we noticed that some people are actually interested in our game. And people, and there's a chance that we can create a full game out of it. Like we just made it as a prototype for for ourselves, but also for we thought maybe we can put it in a CV and then get a job somewhere. But once at at GDC, seeing other small developers and the indie scene was really small back then in 2007, so it was easy to connect to other developers. Um, and so we decided to make our to create. And a full game out of this prototype and so we made and edit moves over the next two years while studying and um, we just went with the flow I guess we just then we founded the company and uh, one and then we and the edit moves made some money and we flew to more conferences met a lot of the other indies from the North American indie scene and are still well connected like this for us this was really the time where we built our network from 2007 to 2009 we built our network we made a name with the edit moves we made some money with it and we are still we are still using uh, connections from this time like the investors in old man's journey are mostly developers that I knew from going to GDC, going to PAX, going to Indicate and stuff like that. Um, so that's also something I always tell other developers. It's really good to network with different developers because you never know at what position they are five years later and maybe they can help you in some way. Um, yeah. But it was definitely easier back in 2007 than it is right now. I think yes, if you yeah. go to GDC, now in 2018 and you don't know anyone it will be hard to break into the independent yeah. uh, developer scene um, it's definitely easier on smaller events and smaller stuff yeah. um, and then we kept working on games and we got public grant for uh, for a series of games and the company grew to five co-founders um, and every one of us wanted to creatively fulfill their own passion in one game and that failed actually so I think Chasing Aurora <laughs> and, and Secrets of Reticon are both games that I can say that now in hindsight is that we had to make too many compromises because there were too many cooks spoiling the broth basically um, and that's something that hurt both projects in the end, which is why they were both financially and critically not as successful as the first one. And um, and we had employ a few employees. I think the biggest broken rules ever was was nine people uh, for chasing Aurora. Um, but basically, after Circuits of Raticon in June 2014, we were almost broke. So Broken Rules was almost broke, and we thought we were on, we were thinking about closing down the studio. But instead of closing it down, we kept it as a as a hub, um, and. Um, uh, we, like we toned everything down as as made it as bare bones as possible, um, so it's cheap basically to sustain the company. And now we have five co-founders who can basically use broken rules to do work for hire or their own individual projects or uh, maybe also a project in a team. Um, but it's not f the five co-founders working on one game anymore. 
um, and it's not one company that grows and gets more employees. It's basically a hub where we share an office, we share the infrastructure, we share, share the name, we share the contacts and our accountant. And um, someone like Peter, he does contract work for the last one and a half years. Um, and then Clemens and me had the idea of Old Man's Journey. And it was always very much Clemens in my game. And um, we had employees for the project and we had freelancers working on the game. But none of them, it was always, we always made it very clear that these are just project-based uh, collaborations, basically. So... Um, now we're back to only the core and um, this kind of like, uh, I think it's a very flexible solution. It definitely is something that works for us because we can still make games, but we can also take on contract work for one or two years and someone else can still make his own game. So it's just a flexible thing that works for us five co-founders. And it's, I think it's good because I do find the current market hard like to it's just still hard to sell games and make enough money to really grow a company and it stressed me out to try to grow a company it stressed me out to have employees so i'm really happy to say i make this game and i have this budget for this one project and for this time frame i need this and this and this person and please help me work for me you get a, a good salary and then afterwards you'll have to find something else basically um, which I know makes it hard for the employee um, sometimes but for a lot of freelancers are used to that anyway um, but it's just something that works better for us as, uh, as a company that we have these projects and because of this structure of our company broken rules it's also I think that's also why it's very hard to say what is our topic because the next prototype or the next game might be from another co-founder whose passion lies somewhere else um, uh, and it will still be a broken rules game mm. yeah <clears throat> so yeah, it's, it's kind um, of a strange structure and I find it like uh, we've got we've got after Old Man's Journey and especially after winning the Apple Design Award we've got quite some interest also from bigger companies like hey can we invest in your studio and it's like no <laughs> we are not a studio that can be easily invested in because we're just yeah. not a studio that grows as a company it's really all about a place that enables each of the co-founder to do his passion projects. For more on games and game creators, you can visit IndieByDesign.net and follow us on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube at IndieByDesign. The Indie by Design podcast is brought to you by the writers and creators of Independent by Design, Art and Stories of Indie Game Creation, which is also available at IndieByDesign.net. Indie by Design podcasts are released weekly on Wednesdays and our patrons at patreon.com forward slash Indie by Design also get access to additional weekly content. Music for all of our episodes is kindly provided by Ben Prunty.